0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Sharp Talk. We are so blessed and excited that you all have joined us this evening and looking forward to another phenomenal guest. Dad, one of your longtime friends. He is a Detroit son a um, Michigan State University graduate, a former Detroit Piston, and now a color commentator for the Pistons for the last 35 years. It is our honor and our privilege to welcome Mr. Greg Kelser to Sharp Talk. Hi, Greg.
1: Hey, Rebecca. How are you? Hey, Luis. What's up, Kelser? Special (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, Detroit's favorite son, MSU legend winning the 1979 NCAA championship, you with Jay Vincent and Magic Johnson, color commentator now with the Detroit Pistons for over 30 years. What a wonderful uh, opportunity and what a joy it
2: is to have you on Sharp Talk. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be a part of this with you and uh, looking forward to it.
0: Looking forward to. It. So I just have to set the record straight before we begin. I did graduate from the University of Michigan.
2: So <laughs> a little bit. Oh, of that's that. the end of the show. Sorry. <laughs> the
0: you know, but it's all love. We're connected through a higher, you know, power there. But I had to make it clear for all of the Wolverines that will be tuning in. Uh, it is all love. I have to say, you're one of my favorite Spartans. So we've got that going for us.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. Listen, the folks in Ann Arbor have always treated me very kindly when I go there, and I and I go there a lot. Uh, my my broadcasting career has included a lot of college college opportunities. So uh, I've been to Chrysler Arena a great many times. I've even golfed on that beautiful golf course up there. So and 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 as the old saying goes, many of my friends, in fact, one of uh, your dad's closest friends and mine uh, is a U of M grad. So uh, Tom Sebron. There you go.
0: <laughs> yes, but well, we welcome you warmly there in Wolverine Land. So Grant, if you wouldn't mind, please just give our audience a little bit about where you grew up, um, where your passion for basketball was really shaped and formed at.
2: I grew up uh, a little bit of everywhere because I was uh, I was the son of military parents. My dad served in the United States Air Force for 20 years. I was born in Panama City, Florida, at Tyndall Air Force Base. And I probably spent the first five or six years of my life there before we really started traveling around the country and even abroad. But the experience was uh, tremendous for me because it, it gave me exposure to uh, a great many different uh, people and cultures. Uh, I learned at a very young age to respect everybody and that um, our, our, our similarities are far outnumber our differences and that we all uh, aspire for the same things. And so uh, I'm glad that that was uh, instilled in me at a very young age. Uh, my parents also were very instrumental in, in teaching me that I could be anything I want and that I wasn't secondary to anybody. Um, those were very, very strong uh, messages and lessons uh, coming at a very early age that ha- that still shaped me to this day. Um, I've lived in uh, in, in Texas, I've lived in in, in uh, Massachusetts, I've lived in Michigan, obviously, I've lived in California, I've lived overseas in Okinawa, which is where I started playing organized basketball when I was like 10 years old. So my dad was a basketball player in the Air Force as well. So uh, watching him and, and and being around him and, and getting a chance to to see that up close and personal, I wanted to be just like him. So that steered me in the direction of basketball, but I played all sports. But basketball was the one that I eventually was best at. And uh, I was 13 or 14 years old. Now I was almost 15 when I moved to Michigan and it was almost uh, it coincided with my with, uh, with my entering high school high school age. and that's how I um, ended up at, at Henryport High School. My dad was from Michigan originally, a graduate of Detroit Northern and he always said that when his time in the, in the uh, military was up, if he wanted to move his family back to Michigan, so the timing was perfect. I got a chance to go to Henry Ford High School for three years consecutively without moving anymore. And uh, that set me up eventually um, for the opportunity that was that was waiting at Michigan State University.
1: Wow, what a story, what a, a testimony that is. And of course, uh, you went on to become a, an All-American. You went to MSU and uh, in 1979, you teamed up with the likes of Magic, Irving Magic Johnson, who we all know, another favorite Michigan Sun, uh, you guys won the uh the state championship. Uh you along with Magic and Jay Vincent. And one of the things that you were known for and I used to love it, the Ali oop from Magic to uh to Special K. Tell us about what that experience was uh in that 1979 season.
2: Well, it was the second year that Urban and I had a chance to play together because I was 2 years older, but I met him when I was in in high school as a 12th grader, he was a 10th grader. Um, from Lansing, Michigan, and when Michigan State was recruiting me in 1974-75, it was with the idea that that eventually they would also successfully sign Urban and we get a chance to play together. And it, it was even better than that because we also signed Jay Vincent, as you talked about, and and a lot of my other teammates: Ron Charles, Terry Donnelly, Mike Berkovich, and and many of the many of the other guys. Uh, you know, we were a very close knit team. And coming into the 1979 season, uh, we nearly won the championship the year prior. So um, coming close, losing to Kentucky and Kentucky winning the whole thing gave us all the confidence and motivation that if we worked hard and stayed healthy and had some luck, that we would get a chance to to, to get back and maybe get to the top, get over the top uh, the coming year. So that's what we took into that 1979 season. And... Uh, it was it was a lot of fun uh, it was it had its ups and downs we we lost some games that we probably shouldn't have um dug a little hole for ourselves middle way, but thankfully we were able to climb out of it we 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 uh rebecca we lost the game in ann arbor that we never should have lost <laughs> okay well
0: thank but, you for <laughs> mentioning that
2: on tonight <laughs> you know well i'll also mention this when they came to east lansing we took good care of them uh, right. we, we got our we got our revenge but <laughs> Uh, by the time we got to the tournament, we were clearly playing some of the best basketball uh, of our season and, and some of the best basketball in the entire country. And it was clear by that time that if we just stayed where we were and and, and played to our potential, that we would have an excellent chance to win a national championship. And, and that's exactly what happened. And I think the fact that we, our opponent in Salt Lake City on that night, uh, Indiana State University, led by the great Larry Bird, did not hurt things. Uh, they were an undefeated team. They were trying to finish it out. And uh, it was a matchup of two of the very best players in the country in, in Larry and, uh, and Irvin. And the fact that we were able to come out on top and then for Larry and Irvin to go on and have the great rivalry that they had in the NBA, I think is what has given that game tremendous shelf life and people still talk about it uh, over 40 years later. And it still remains the the, the largest TV audience, audience ever to watch a college basketball game in history
1: wow that was msu and indiana state was that the
2: championship game that was the championship game in salt lake city
1: and you guys put it on uh indiana state and i don't think larry bird ever got uh, over
2: that (laughs) i wouldn't have gotten i wouldn't have gotten over either if we lost uh i I get it i understand you know when you're a competitor as you well know louise from your years your your years of uh football greatness in high school and and uh, in college at UCLA and, and then on into the pros for a great many years. Uh, you you play for the love of the game, but you play because you're a competitor and you want to win every time you go out there. And it, uh, somehow your, your shortcomings, the games that you lose, um, those are the ones that stay with you more than the ones you win in many cases. So um, I get it that Larry's still uh, – Uh, you know, (laughs) suffering from that because uh, we would have been doing the exact same. And I've got my share of of those type of losses, to be sure.
0: You know, Greg, I'd like for you to actually pontificate, though, because obviously you all are competitors. We, We all love to win. We were born to do that. But there is value and there are lessons that we can learn even in our losses. Can you talk about some of the things that you've been able to learn when you did not get that win?
2: Oh, absolutely! Because you, you don't get up, you don't give up, you don't quit. Um, there were there were some losses on the on the basketball court that I uh, sustained when I was when I was playing uh, at all levels that at times made you question whether or not you even wanted to continue because the lo- the losses were so damaging and uh, hurtful to your to your mindset to your thinking, and um, but you 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 find ways to, to to battle that to fight it off and and to keep on pushing and you do that. Through your teammates because you don't want to let them down you do it through your your family because they're watching you and pulling for you and you don't want to disappoint them you do it for your coaching staff you do it for your school or or, or your professional organization whatever it might be you you try and not focus so much on yourself yeah. and look at the whole but i can tell you that you know you're right all disappointments do somehow uh, strengthen you they help fortify you they help uh strengthen your metal to uh to handle you know whatever's coming because life's full of disappointments, but certainly life's full of a lot of great uh, uh, positives and, 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 and great achievements. Uh, it, you know, it all balances out. I can tell you that uh, in my broadcasting career, I had to call upon some of the, some of the things I learned as an athlete on many occasions, because it wasn't all smooth sailing. Once I moved into the broadcasting uh, profession, I, there was some, there were some, some ups and downs with that. There were some opportunities that I felt I was, uh, abundantly uh, qualified for and I didn't get and and those disappointments sometimes can again make you feel like maybe I ought to choose a different path but you know I was uh, very fortunate to have great mentors including my starting with my parents but then so many others yeah. who helped to you know keep me focused and you know talk me down off the ledge when I needed it
0: Thank you so much for just explaining that. I think that's a spectacular message for all people to take and apply it to their lives. So thank you very much for sharing from that place, Greg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I couldn't agree with you more when I played professional football 13 years in the NFL. You know, I was concerned about my family that were watching on television, uh, my family, uh, my immediate family in Phoenix, my family in, uh, in Detroit, my coaches, uh, Coach Joe Hoskins, Mel Farr, the people that mentored me, concerned about the ownership. They were paying me a, a, a very good salary, you know, mm-hmm. and, what my, and how my performance uh, uh, reflected uh, what it was or who it was that, that they invested in. So that really allows you to, to get over the And plus the fact that we're from the public school league. We're from That's Detroit, right. where quitting just does not exist. Quitting is not an option. You may knock us down, but we're going to get up, dust ourselves up, learn from our mistakes, and we're gonna come back at you stronger and harder.
2: Oh, absolutely! You 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 hit it squarely on the head. Uh, you you don't come through the Detroit Public School uh, League as a as an athlete and 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 not have those attributes as part of your your makeup. And you mentioned your your high school coach Joe Hoskins, who I knew very well. Great deal of respect for Coach Hoskins. He left Southwestern, um, and, you know, and 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 eventually came over to my alma mater. Uh, Henry Ford and turned that program totally around. And I remember when uh, Coach Hoskins passed away, I attended his funeral, and I was most impressed with the the the, the scores of former athletes that came out to honor him and, and talk about how he impacted their lives and the, and the differences that he made for them.
1: Absolutely, rest in peace, uh, Coach Joe Hoskins. Unfortunately, I was unable. Uh, to attend his funeral, but he had a significant uh, impact being uh, my mentor in high school and and through college. And really the reason why I believed in myself as a young African-American kid out of the Detroit public school system, and was able to go and perform at the levels I did, not only athletically, but also academically at at UCLA. He had a always believe in yourself uh, mentality and he spread that through all through all of the young men that he had a chance to coach at Southwestern sure.
2: or Henry Ford High School. Sure, you know there was a brotherhood, like uh, uh, sense of feeling when, when, when guys from the from the Detroit Public School League would make uh, would, would, would make whatever professional uh, uh, team or organization um, or league that they were that they were uh, aspiring to uh, to to uh, be a part of. So when you became a professional uh, athlete, Louis, with um, with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and you know we watched you with a great deal of pride and, and cheered for your success, and and uh, that's just how it was with people from the PSL. I don't know, I don't know if it's like that today. I mean, I've been out of it a long time as far as um, high school athletics in in Detroit uh, are concerned, but I, I know back then, if, if a guy you could have battled him on the field or on the court or wherever, but if he made the league. You then became a fan.
1: Absolutely,
2: absolutely,
1: and and still are. And, you know, I was telling you before we went on air uh, how much I learned from you as a broadcaster, as a color commentator. You and George Blaha, and and how what great command of the English language you have. You know, and when you articulate, you just make me so very proud. <laughs> Gregory Councillor from Henry Ford High School, listen to him articulate and look how you know how much he's teaching people about the game of basketball. Make us proud.
2: Well, the, the thing that I I remember um, when I first decided I wanted to be a broadcaster, I met a, a gentleman whose name is Charlie Neal. You may even remember oh, Charlie. Know, absolutely, yeah. Charlie was a great mentor for me. I met him my senior year at Michigan State and we became friends. He was working in the industry as a local uh, sports um, commentator for, uh, I believe it was channel two at the time and he became a friend and being around him i got a chance to see what he did for a living and it just seemed like it was so much fun i mean it had its challenges and 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 certainly um it it it, it was it, it, you know he had to be good at it he always had to to prove himself but that's just about any profession but i really enjoyed what i watched him do so i learned a great deal from him and then when i decided that's where i wanted to go he became um truly a, a supporter a mentor taught me how to develop my style and and then I started paying close attention to others that were in the business. And and there were a few who, when they broadcasted, it didn't matter the sport, whether it was basketball, hockey, baseball, uh, football, I would listen to the announcer to see if was if they were, if they were telling me something that I perhaps was not aware of, that I wasn't seeing for myself, but making it uh, a lot clearer for me to understand the, the various nuances of uh, of each sport. And that helped me to decide that I wanted to be a teacher if I ever get a chance to broadcast and be an analyst, I, I didn't want to just give you the the obvious stuff. I wanted to give you the inside stuff that maybe you would never uh, understand or 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 recognize uh, were it not for uh, for for the analyst. so um, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, coach Hubie Brown who uh, coached a long time in the league and then became a broadcaster and at 87 or 88 years old, he's still doing it to this day. I listened oh. to him not too long ago. On a broadcast, and he's still very good, sharp as ever, and and uh, and still teaching, and and that's that's sort of how I developed my style. I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be, and I wanted to be entertaining too. So uh, you know, I hope I'm achieving those things. And and this is such a very competitive business. I've seen many people come and go, and, and over the years, uh, I'm just very thankful and very fortunate that I have been able to maintain and sustain. Um, you know, three and a half decades now, and and I'd like to be able to continue. You know, we all want to write our own uh, ending. So, uh, you know, I'm praying for uh, for good health and 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 that the opportunities continue.
1: Well, you do you do a great job, uh, Greg. I I love listening to the broadcast. And here's a, a teaching moment right now. Um, it, it seems like the three point shot is at a premium today in the NBA. The three pointer and the drive and kick. What happened to the mid range game? And what happened to the <laughs> The low post, the Charles Barkleys, the David Robinsons, the Hakeem Olajuwon's. Why don't we see that so much
2: anymore? Well, analytics became a part, a huge part of sports and a huge part of of uh, coaching and and strategizing to uh, to be most successful. And and analytics analytics says, uh, quite simply, oversimplifying even maybe that three is better than two. So. Uh, now the three-pointer is a part of the game and, and probably here to stay as long as that line is there. Um, I still like the mid-range game. I think what has happened is that the balance has been lost. It's it's overshifted to the three. Um, when I was playing, three was hardly used. You go back and you look at the, the game, the, the, the highest scoring game in NBA history her- occurred in 1983, I think it was, between the Pistons and the Nuggets out in Denver. They played a triple overtime game. Uh, The final score was 186, 184. If you go back and look at that game, there were probably three or four three-pointers attempted in the entire game. Wow. All of those were two-pointers and and free throws. um, I think one three-pointer was made in the game. Um, Now, uh, two teams will combine for easily 50 to anywhere as high as 80 three-point shots in a game. So what has happened There was a time, I think, maybe about 20 years ago where it was more balanced. You still had the mid-range game, which was good, Uh, the the three-pointer, which was utilized but not overutilized, and posting up was still something that every team placed a premium on. Well, the post-up game is not so much uh, valued anymore. The middle-range game is totally gone, and what you're looking for now, you're looking for points in the key or in the lane, uh, layups, um, or three-pointers. I did a game... Maybe last year where the Pistons and the team they were playing scored uh, 250 points combined. And there was one mid-range basket in the whole game.
1: You're kidding Everything me. else
2: was in the lane. And when I say in the lane, you know, just inside that painted area at the basket, dunk or layup, up. Um, or it was out beyond the arc. And that's where the game has gone. And and do I like it? Not necessarily, but I understand it. I mean, it, it's evolved to this point. Will it be that way forever? I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, because I think that the, the game basketball is such a beautiful game. And uh, I, I fell in love with it because I enjoyed the artistry of it. I enjoyed the athleticism of it. I enjoyed guys being able to drive to the basket shoot to the hoop. I love the post-up game, the back to the basket um, part of it. And, and, I think that because the three-point line is there, it has taken away a lot of the movement. You have guys going down, spotting up on the three-point line and staying there while someone tries to penetrate and draw defenders, and you, then you kick it out. You get rotations on the outside, and you end up with a 3 point in the corner, or wherever. Uh, and every team plays the same. Now, I'm not knocking the game that has been so good to me, but I just know that it's it has so much more to offer that's, that's, that's not being uh, taken advantage of right now.
1: Interesting. Interesting. And, uh, of course, you know, you were known for the alley-oop with, uh, with Magic. And uh, I, too, like you, I missed the, the Adrian Dantley's and the Charles Barkley's and the Hakeem Olajuwon's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the low post game. Because, I mean, and that's one of the ways that we stayed in uh, physical, good physical condition in the football off seasons. We would play, you know, four court basketball in the football off seasons to stay in shape. And, uh, and one thing that I've always appreciated, you talked about the artistry and the athleticism. I think basketball players are the greatest athletes on the planet. Talk about that. What do you think?
2: Well, I think I think to a large degree that's true because um, it's a game that's played in the air. It's a game that requires stamina because you got to get up and down the court constantly. Um, I think you have to be in tremendous shape to play it uh, because of the demands on your on your physical endurance. Um, you know, if you're playing football and believe it or not, football is my favorite sport. Yeah, you know, I, I love professional football. I love professional football. Um, when I grew up, I wanted to be a professional football player, but like I said, you know, I, basketball was one out, but uh, you know, football, there's 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 a little rest between plays. Um, baseball, I don't think you have to really be in too great a shape to play that. Um, <laughs> I think hockey has a physical demand on your stamina and you certainly got to know how to skate. So, um, you know, that, that, that brings about a different, uh, requirement, but basketball is one where athleticism is, 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 is key if you got it. Now it's not saying that someone who's non-athletic can't play because you, you know, you can, if you're big and, and strong and can play near the hoop, certainly back in the day. And there's still room for a few of those guys now, even with the, uh, the, the uh the, the evolving of the evolution of the game but uh, i agree with you basketball does take a a, a heavy toll on 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 your ability to, to 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 get up and down the court to be able to run for long periods of time without getting tired and uh, uh you know for me i i, I grew up really marveling and 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 admiring the forwards that played, guys like Elgin Baylor and Dr. J and uh, Connie Hawkins, uh, guys that could play in the air, play above the rim, guys that were supremely uh, gifted athletically, and uh, you know those were the ones that that I tried to pattern my game after.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I I know I'm loving all the basketball and sports talk, but I do want to pivot a little bit and Greg, you have mentioned, um, you know, the impact that your parents had on you as you were growing up. You talked about mentors that you've had throughout your life as well. Can you um, just share with our audience a little bit more about the relationships, the friendships, other family members that have been integral and played really essential roles in your success, because we know that it does take a village. We were talking about that before we got on the air, so we'd love to know a little bit more about your village and how, um, what's the roles that they've played in shaping you into the man that you are today.
2: I had incredible grandparents, uh, who were who who um, who lived during a time when. Uh, it certainly was not easy for black people in america not saying it's easy now but it was uh very much different when they were growing up in the 20s and 30s and 40s and uh, i was born in the late 50s so uh, i'm I'm old enough to have seen some things that uh would would still just shock and, and 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 almost frighten you uh nowadays but my grandparents were instrumental too in 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 teaching me and helping me to understand that, um, we, we will not let anything, uh, stand in our way. We'll stand up proud and, and, uh, and, and, and ultimately, um, you know, account for ourselves, be a man. Um, my, my grandparents were, were very key in that. And, but they instilled it in my parents who then, uh, helped me to understand it even further. And my parents used to, Really, really uh, emphasize the importance of education um, when I was at Michigan State, when I was in high school period, you know throughout my uh, throughout my uh, scholastic uh, scholastic uh, uh, days it was it was always that first, um, working hard in the classroom, and that was the only way I was allowed to play sports if i were if I was doing well in the classroom, there was no compromising that at all. So I understood what the priorities were. And I'm thankful for that because, um, you know, as good as I was in, in basketball, as, as good as your dad was in football, neither one of us were, were going to do it forever. And so that's when education tends to, to really, um, uh, surface as a, a a backdrop or a safety net,
0: yeah. and,
2: and hopefully uh, take you on to you know other things. As as is uh, the case in most athletes, when when our when our careers are over, we haven't even lived half of our lives. There's still so much to do and so much to achieve, and that education can be essential in that if you were serious about it and 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 went after that with the same determination as you perhaps did the sport you were playing.
0: Absolutely, and I think that that perfectly underscores um, the fact that you, while you were at Michigan State, you were a two-time academic. All-American, so clearly just that focus and that importance of education was really elevated through your time in college.
2: I have to tell you that, uh, you know, while those are uh, accolades that I'm proud of, um, in all honesty, it was only because that's what my parents demanded. You know, I'm no different than anybody else. I uh, would have taken a, a shortcut if it had been allowed um i probably wouldn't have put the time in if uh if if uh something other some other alternative were presented that's what you do a lot of times when you're 15 16 17 18 19 20 years old but they really really uh made it clear to me that if you do that you'll pay a price yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. But, you know, I mentioned my parents, but I had the same thing coming from my coaches. I, practically every coach I had took an interest in me beyond the sport that I was playing uh, for them. And and my teachers were the same way. My high school teachers, they were the, they were all the same way. It was amazing as I look back on it, you know, and I probably took it for granted back then. I don't know that all kids uh, got the same support. And the same uh, extensions of of what was being taught at home uh, when they were out of the home that I received. Um, there was never seemingly any drop off. Uh, they they were all challenging me, and I didn't know it at the time, um, but what they were doing is that they were, you know, the coaches and the teachers, and they were they were they were not relying or satisfied with doing the job that they were being paid to do. In other words, your teacher, your math teacher is, is paid to teach you math. They don't have to do anything other than that. But the teachers back in those days, they seemed to understand the platform that they had and, and the uh, opportunity they had to impact your life far beyond what they were being paid to do. And many of them took that very seriously. And I was a beneficiary of a lot of that.
1: That is tremendous. And uh, Greg, you, you talk a lot about your, your family and how you were great uh, raised. Uh, to do the right thing for the right reasons and to have self-confidence and to recognize that there is no person on this earth, whether it be the president of the United States, whether it be whoever it is that's better than you are. And uh, we all know that you have used your voice and your platform to talk about some of the uh, social injustices that we've seen around the world, around these United States. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, about that now and how our viewers Uh, can be part of that work going forward?
2: Well, you know, I I know that, uh, you know, I I work in sports and, uh, you know, people usually turn into tune into uh, the things that I'm involved in because they want to they want to celebrate sport and they want to um, uh, be entertained and that sort of thing. And for many, it's a it's an escape from the realities of the day. But it's so hard. It is really, really hard to ignore some of the things that are going on around you, and uh, and put them aside and and put on your 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 entertainer's hat and your smiley face and go out and act like nothing's going on. That, that's very, very difficult. And I think you're seeing it with a lot of athletes today who are now now more willing to uh, speak out and and uh, and and say things that people. Would rather them not say. You know, you people are always telling athletes stick to what you do and that sort of thing. Well, you know, you know nobody sticks to what they do. No one does that, uh, and no one should do that. You know, if you see wrong, speak out against it. Say something. Um, and you know, that's that's what I've chosen to do in in, in the opportunities that uh that that I have. Um, I think that um, it's everybody's responsibility to try to to try to foster. Uh, change, change for the good, and um, I'm I'm just really thrilled when I see uh, people of privilege, black or white, red or yellow, who are able to step out from within their own comfort and luxury, and 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 say, "Hey, what's going on right now is not right. What's happening to that person is not right." You know, it may never affect you, but it still has to gnaw at you. And it still has to eat away at you when you see some of the things that are happening to uh, other people. That's why when I look back at history, I can, I can, I can say thank you to uh, people who were not people of color back in the '60s that got involved and risked their lives for civil rights. Uh, what was going on didn't affect them, but they recognized that something wasn't right. And uh, and I'm inspired when I see people. Uh, doing the same things today, out marching for social justice, not their own, but for their fellow man.
1: you know a, a man, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with you and and I saw on the news today that both uh, the president and and vice president uh, went to the uh, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the officer picnic who was laid in in, in state. Uh, he mm-hmm. was killed during the uh, the Capitol riot uh, on January sixth, and uh, and that was good to see that our our leaders, our current leaders, are honoring that poor man's legacy, and uh, and the fact, and this is my own personal feeling, and I'll I'll share this, but I, I think that that uh, Capitol uh, insurgency, really what it taught us is that make America great again is about is about one uh, class of people. When you see all of the White uh, superiority or white nationalist uh, paraphernalia, the hangman's noose, and the Confederate flag being waved. I think that's what that uh, insurgency was all about. One class of people. Well,
2: I, there's no question about that. And, and, and you know, the the um, and, and I agree with you. First of all, Officer Sicknick's uh, uh, passing, while uh, you know, tremendous in terms of the courage that he demonstrated and and the sacrifice that he made uh, for for the oath that he that he was trying to uphold, um, I still think it was senseless, shouldn't have happened. Um, what went on on the 6th of January shouldn't have happened, but this is the divide that we have in this country right now. Um, again, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic because I feel that there are far more people who would be against that than would be for it, um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, when you have an uprising like that, it, uh, you know, it stands out so, so vividly in, in your mind and you can't seem to 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 do away with it. I think of it every single day. And when I think of it, I feel like that was a, an attack on me personally, on my family and on people who look like me. You know, I love this country. Let me make that perfectly clear. America is where I want to live, where I, where I've always lived and where I want to continue to live. But I know that America is not perfect. I know that there's a lot of work to be done. We have a long way to go, both to erase some of the some of the scars and, and some of the the, uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 you know, the degradation of, of, of years and centuries, centuries ago. Um, and and and, you know, again, growing up in the military, you know, that flag has a, a, a that flag has a definite meaning, has always in my life. But that, even that, right now, is being challenged, and you know, I have to. I find myself sometimes really, really trying to fight to stay in the middle because I know that flag means good. It's supposed to mean good, but when I see that thing flying on the back of a of a of a pickup truck speeding down the road with you know all kinds of uh, racist uh, uh, signage on the side and and what have you, now that flag takes on a whole different meaning. Yeah. But but but. But I, I do understand that you know every every country, every place has its extremists. And I have to keep reminding myself that that's not what it means, and that's not it for. These people are acting out, and they're doing it, doing it under the banner of that flag, but they're really the ones that are disrespecting this flag. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for sharing that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that in this season, well, I guess really last year, as things really begin to emerge after what we've known for centuries, as you mentioned, really begin to reach an inflection point, we saw that this whole concept of more than an athlete really arise, I feel. And sports are being used as a catalyst to bring transformation and to really highlight the stories um, of those voices that have been quieted for so long. And I think the media was pretty shocked initially that these athletes were willing to uh, sacrifice their own pay, were willing to sacrifice some of their own comforts in order to finally bring awareness to the the gross injustices that we have faced as a people group. So you were able to be a part of that, especially through your color commentating. Can you talk about what it was like for you to be in the midst of that and kind of seeing the pendulum swing last year and in some of the things that you're continuing to do um, to just raise that awareness and to continue to educate the masses with the platform you have.
2: Well, uh, you know, I do have a strong platform, but I just want to say that, you know, what I do and what, I, what I've what i done uh, clearly pales in comparison to others that are out there fighting this fight every day. Yeah. I'm benefiting from that fight that has been fought every day for decades, but I do feel it's my my responsibility, however, to, to uh, bring whatever awareness that that you know my position allows, and uh, you know one of the things that you know I do with my summer basketball camps and such, we we teach our children. We we it's not just basketball. They're there to 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 learn how basketball and academics can coexist, and we talk to them about uh, things that are important, like choosing your role models and 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 respecting your teachers. And you know, doing everything you can to max out on your God-given gifts. We spend time in the classroom with them each and every day, in addition to what they do out on a basketball court. So, you know, this, in a small way, we feel, you know, helps shape youngsters when they're at a very impressionable uh, age. But yeah. as far as uh, as as the the people and the and that are that are sacrificing their time and their energy and their and their livelihoods and all this right now for the better. To, to, to achieve a better life for people in this country. Uh, my, my hat continues to go off to them. Um, I continue to support, you know, in any way I can what they're doing. Um, you take a gentleman like Colin Kaepernick who was making millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, in football a few years ago, who who just couldn't take it anymore. You know, the, the police brutality that he was uh, witnessing on a daily basis just couldn't take it anymore. So he decided to bring Uh, Awareness to it through his his kneeling uh, during the anthem and uh, We all know now he was right. Well, we knew he was right when he did it, right? right. (laughs) But 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 America was a little slower in coming to it, but at least they do understand now Um, uh, Mr. Floyd George Floyd who lost his life last year in Minneapolis to a a racist police officer with a with a knee on his neck um, is is as horrific as that was to watch and to again be reminded of how marginalized uh, black people have been in this country, um, you 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 almost find yourself being thankful that it was caught on video. You you find yourself being uh, glad that it was it was it was as disgraceful and and as as graphic as it was, as stomach-turning as it was. Because what it did, it got a lot of people to say, "Whoa, wait a minute here." That's not right, yeah. and then to get involved and strengthen strengthen the movement. So
0: yeah.
2: uh, you know, much like uh, Emmett Till in 1955, uh, you know his his death and 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 his his brutal murder and and and, and death and, and the courageous act of his mother to expose his badly battered and beaten and disfigured body. Uh, how that still reverberates uh, 60 you know 65 years later. Um, perhaps the same thing will be uh the 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 passing the tragic passing of uh of of George Floyd yeah Yeah,
0: Yeah. and you know, we've all, we've all have our parts to play. I love that you mentioned what you're doing with your young folks who are in your basketball camp and just the different values that you are imparting to them and how you are showing them that it is just like your parents showed you, right? It's more than just what you do on the court. It's what you do in the classroom. It's what you do at home. It's who you are in your community. All of those things really uh, comprise a whole Functioning and you know positively impactful um, member of society. So I think that that is wonderful that you really implement that with those who are at your basketball camp. Can you talk a little bit more about what that camp actually entails and your plans for it this year? You know, in light of COVID and all that's happening with the pandemic.
2: Well, last year because of COVID was the first time I think in twenty seven and twenty eight straight years that we didn't have a camp. Uh, we communicated a little bit with our with our youngsters. But my camps are for uh, boys and girls, ages uh, seven to seventeen, and uh, we hold them at at various locations. We usually have like four camps or a summer; they're week long, and uh, two are in the suburbs and and two are in the city of Detroit. And um, we've gotten to a point now where we're able to sponsor a lot of the kids, especially with the, the camps in Detroit, where the kids can come to come to camp in the morning and they get uh, they get served breakfast and then their day starts and we go through our routines. Um, we're on a schedule on a tight schedule. We have uh, volunteers who come in and run our mentoring exercises and teach life skills and things of that nature. And each boy and girl will spend an hour in the classroom each day. We give them a hot lunch at noontime and then we resume and we go to three o'clock in the afternoon and then we dismiss them. Um, um, we're, we're able to, uh, you know, accomplish this because we're getting great support from um like-minded people in the city who see what we're doing and say, Hey, that's a good program. I want to be behind it. I want to support it. So uh, each year now we're probably sponsoring about 300 to 350 children uh, to these camps. The ones in the suburbs are pay camps, but we still will have kids that are, that are, um, that are uh, whose families can use the help financially that they're still able to come and be a part of this. Um, So it has given us again, you know, just a great opportunity to, uh, to teach and to, to be present, I'm there every day, I take great pride in that. Um, and you know I've got a great staff that has been with me a long time. And we're looking forward, we're hopeful that we will be able to resume this coming uh, summer, but we haven't made any plans of yet because we know that um, due to the pandemic, it is very important, most uh, utmost important that, that we keep everybody safe. We, we uh, debated on this all the way up until about a month out last year we normally start in July and we do two weeks in Ju- two, three weeks in July and one week in August. And um, we we deliberated all the way until we just realized that we can't do this. We won't be able to do this. And and we're sort of in that same uh, pattern right now. Uh, we're going to make sure that it's safe for everybody, including those of us who are you know in our 60s out there uh, trying to trying to uh, teach and, and, and be uh, physically present. Um, We wanna keep everybody safe first and foremost. You know, I think it speaks
1: volumes uh, to your heart, uh, what it is that you're doing, not only in the suburbs. I know that when I play pro ball, we seem to be sent by the community uh, relations department more to the suburbs than we did to the inner city. And I used to always have a problem with that. And, And it sounds like, you know, you're equal on both sides. Uh, and and really addressing those that are marginalized and disenfranchised uh, in the inner cities. Those are the ones that really need to hear your message and have the experience I'm sure they have with your basketball camp.
2: Yeah, you know, our camps in the city are probably 95, 90 to 95% uh, African-American boys and girls attending. Our camps in the suburbs are split and it's beautiful. It's incredible. So we're able to uh, show, again, the role of sports and how sports can be a bridge. And when you get out there on the basketball court, as I'm sure you, you, uh, you understood and, and recognized when you played uh, college and, foot and professional football, Luis, your, your teammate, it don't matter what color he is, uh, you, you know, if you miss your block, you know, that running back's going to get tore up, uh, you know, so you, you go out there and you play and you play for each other. And uh, you know, there's a camaraderie that that uh, can sometimes uh, grow from that 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 you cherish forever. And that's the thing we talk about with our kids at our camps. We encourage them to get to know each other. And if you're there with a friend, or if you're there with a brother or sister, uh, move outside that box a little bit and get to know somebody that you don't know, and talk to them and see what what you know, see what their lives are about. See, you know, what their likes are and and that sort of thing. And and you'd be surprised. Uh, out of that will be you know friendships can develop that will last a lifetime i mean you you know yourself you're you you have people in your life that you met that you would not have met through were it not for football back when you were a teenager and you still are friends with those people uh to this day and rebecca i bet you the same thing with you people that you um went to school with or people that you met um you know when you were a young girl they're your best friends now and they will still be your friends 30 40 years from now
0: Yeah, no, great life skills that you're teaching the children and just giving them that access and that push, you know, to do something outside of their comfort zone. But like you mentioned, it will end up being rewarding to you as it has been for me, dad, for yourself to have those really enriching relationships with people that don't look like me or think like me or may not have even grown up where I grew up at. But yet we can come together and really enjoy just beautiful friendships. So that is a wonderful point. Mm
1: -hmm. Diversity is a great strength.
0: Yeah, absolutely. University Learning to embrace the strength. differences of others. Oh, that's again, a life skill because as you go up and you grow through life and when you go to work and you show up in these different places, you've got to learn how to work with people who are different than you, you know? You better, you better. You have to, you have to especially yeah. as this country continues to diversify, right? Yeah.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank you. A bit. So you have to learn how to be accepting of those who look and think differently than you. Absolutely. So what I wanted to, uh, what I always ask, because it's important to me, and this is what, you know, is an underpinning of this show is really legacy and us honoring those who have come before us while also blazing trails for those that are to come after. So Greg, you've talked a lot about respect, education, hard work, excellence. Uh, I wanna know what do you desire your legacy to be?
2: (laughs) Well, for those who uh, who know me as a friend, I, I I hope that they my legacy would be that you know that I was a good friend and that I was uh, someone that um, would be there and someone who was uh, kind with a thought and uh, and eager and and uh, uh, unselfish with an ear to uh, to listen uh, to the to the children. Uh, you know, I've mentioned you know, the role models that I, that I have. And, you know, I talked about some of my coaches and I could name them by name. I could name uh, the people who have helped me in my career by name. I can certainly mention the teachers that were instrumental that stood out when I was growing up. Um, their legacies are, are very strong with me. Well, all I'm trying to do is be that same thing for somebody, you know, when they talk about uh, those that maybe had an impact in their lives that may have said something, did something, uh, demonstrated something, uh, practiced something uh, that, you know, that they can mention my name and smile and say, well, you know what, I, I you know, he had a part in that." You know, I I get a big kick out of, because I, I did my first basketball camp when I was 20 years old. So that was like 1978. And um, I've been doing my camps ever since. And you know, there I was 20 years old, so there were like uh kids in that camp that were 15 years old because I think that year we 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 went from like eight to 15. So, for kids that were 14, 15, or even 13 years old in that very in those very first camps, keep in mind I'm only seven years older than they were at the time. Wow. <laughs> so, it's not unusual for someone to come up to me right now and say, Hey, I used to go to your basketball camp and and they might be 52, 53 years old. Wow. Or, or you know, 55 years old, yeah, saying yeah. that they look at my basketball camp. And then they'll tell me something that may have happened or something that they heard or something that, 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 that I may have said that helped change their attitude um, or their way of thinking uh, and maybe help them to be a better student or, or whatever it might be. And I get a big kick out of that because and a lot of times it's not even about basketball, you know, yeah. that ended at some point for everybody, but it's something else that they're able to recall that they never forgot. And to me, that's the greatest legacy that you can have.
0: Amen. Well, you've,
1: you've done an, an excellent job uh, by depositing uh, so many positive uh, seeds here with me and my daughter, you and I, we've known each other, been friends for over 40 years. And the fact that you would take time From your busy schedule, you guys played last night in Utah and you would take time and be as transparent as you've been with us. Uh, That's part of of your legacy. And I know that you've sown some tremendous seeds in our lives and the lives of our listening audience. And I just want to thank you, Greg, for taking that time and and uh, being with us on this evening.
2: Well, again, it's my pleasure. It's an honor. And uh, you guys keep doing the great work that you're doing to inspire uh, people and 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 uh, and to bring the best um, that you can for your for your listenership and uh, and my hat goes off to the both of you too for for understanding the importance of the roles that you play and embracing them in the manner in which you have I wish you all the continued success and please uh, uh, do all you can to stay safe we need you
0: Amen. Likewise, we say the same thing to you and your family, Greg. And until the next time, God bless you. Thank you once again, and we're excited to continue to see you out there, color commentating and bringing awareness, and just showing up as your authentic self. It truly is a blessing.
2: Thank you so much. Good to be with you, Luis. Good to be with you, Rebecca. Well, Brock, keep doing what you're doing. Take Thank care. you for sure. All right.
0: Righty. Well, thank you so much to Greg. That was a lovely interview. I really feel edified and exhorted after that. Heat.
1: Edified and uplifted yes. and, and encouraged. And yeah, he's got a wonderful just arti- so articulate.
0: Absolutely. You know, and
1: so inspiring with yeah. uh, with everything that he that he shares. He's uh definitely have the has a calling, a uh, very big calling on his life. I was thinking as we were listening, he for president and you for vice president. <laughs>
0: We'll have to talk to him about that and see <laughs> if he'd be open to it in 2024, right? But we're going to let Joe and Kamala do, their, do thing their thing for now. Uh, but again, we just want to thank all of you for viewing tonight. It has been an honor and a privilege per usual to be with you. We are excited to share that next week we will actually have our first woman guest, which I am clearly overzealous about, uh, Miss Michelle Carter, who is an Olympic gold medalist in shot put. So she's gonna come grace the Sharp Talk stage. We're looking forward to another enriching conversation with her. And again, we are on Spotify and Apple and YouTube. So please take a look, subscribe, tell others about the work that we are doing here on Sharp Talk and thank you for your continued prayers. And And let me
1: me add to this, to that uh, introduction, Michelle Carter, Olympic gold medalist in 2016 in the shot put and she is the daughter of a, a gentleman, a great football player. His name is Michael Carter. He was a nose guard with the San Francisco 49er. Uh, one of the greatest uh, nose guards, one of the greater defensive players of our era, someone that many of us former players feel belongs in the hall of fame. And uh, so that is uh, Michael Carter's C, Michael Carter from the San Francisco 49er, uh, his daughter. So we are excited to hear what she has to say as she shares our heart her heart with us on next week. Please join us.
0: Please join us again. Thank you all so much. Like Greg said, please do your best to stay safe because you are needed here in the earth for such a time as this. So until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance unto you and give you and your family shalom. Take care. And thank you so much, Cousin Amelia. I see all of your comments. We appreciate your support. And Melvin, um, he said that he played with you all in high school, JV in the city of Detroit. So big ups to Detroit. What up, Melvin? Yes, David Thornton said, that's why he loves Southwestern. The teachers and the coaches actually cared. Amen. It's very evident to see that. So we just want to shout out our Shane, I
1: see Shane Bradford uh, commented. What did Shane have to say?
0: He had no idea. How cool is that? He was responding to one of Greg's comments. But yes, Bruce is sending hearts as well so we love our audience we love when we get a chance to interact with your comments truly your support does mean the world to us so if you ever have any other questions or ideas or or people that you would even like to see on sharp talk please you know where to find us on facebook uh, especially my dad he's very active on there (laughs) so again thank you all so much we love you and we will see you next time on sharp talk god bless